0: This is the Danny Parkins show.
2: Coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quick and Loan Studios. Millions of Americans finance the home of their dreams with their help. They can help you too. Rocket Mortgage. Push button. Get mortgage. My name is Danny Parkins. You can follow me on Twitter at Danny Parkins. 855-212-4227 for your top takeaways on this NFL Sunday Sunday night football in the fourth quarter we'll get to your calls in just a couple of minutes but I just wanted to share something with you because I think it's awesome and not because it happened on my radio show in Chicago where you can hear me Monday through Friday two to six on the score it's a little bit because of that but for the most part I just think that you guys deserve to hear this because there's a lesson here and I'll tell you this. You don't need to care at all about hockey, but Jeremy Roenick was in studio. The story is not about hockey. It's about Michael Jordan and degeneracy and gambling. All things that I can relate to. But so Michael, uh, Jeremy Roenick's in studio, and I wanted to tell some stories. And Jeremy Roenick is kind of famous uh, for being a big golfer. He's always playing in those you know, Lake Tahoe tournaments, the charity tournaments, the celebrity tournaments. Hockey players make great golfers. And I'm going to play this audio here, but there's a lesson to be learned, not only about Michael Jordan and the story, but really just storytelling in general. I'll tell you the lesson on the back end, but all you need to know for now is, is this is, I don't know if we have the question in or not, so I'll just set it up anyway. It's me asking Jeremy Roenick for his story about gambling and playing golf with Michael Jordan. I got a good
1: story. I don't know if I should tell on the radio, but screw uh, it. No I'll one tell listens it. to our I'll show, JR. Yeah, right. Um, uh, back, in, back in the 90s when the when the Bulls were on fire, um, this was like end of the season for us, end of the season for them. I get a call from Michael. Meet, meet me at Sunset Ridge. Early, we're gonna go play play eighteen holes. I we didn't have a game. We had actually had a day off, so I meet him at Sunset Ridge. Big old Greg Kunkel, who's one of the best best people in golf here in Chicago. I got to mention Greg uh, at Sunset Ridge. So we went, we we played around, beat him for a couple thousand, and I'm getting ready to leave. Now Bulls are playing that night. They play Cleveland that night. So I'm I'm thinking he's leaving. It's ten o'clock. He's like, no, let's go play again. So he goes and we we fill up a bag full of ice and pours light and. We walk again we we roll around another 18 i take him for another couple and couple. uh yeah and, and now we've been drinking all afternoon now he's getting going from sunset ridge to the stadium to play a game and i'm like <laughs> and i'm like mess i'm like messing around i'm like i'm gonna call my bookie and i'm, I'm gonna yeah, all the money you that you just lost to me i'm putting on cleveland tonight <laughs> he goes i'll tell you what he goes he goes you I'll, I'll bet you that we win by 20 points and I have more than 40. I'm like, done. Son of a gun goes out, scores 52, and they win by 26 or something uh-huh. after 18 holes of golf. <laughs> and 36 holes of golf. 36 and holes of golf and, and having like maybe 10 Bud
2: Lights. Stop. Ah. The man,
1: The man, Michael Jordan, to me, is probably the best athlete that I've ever seen, that I've ever been around and watched play and – you know, the way he presented himself and played the game. And, what, I mean, just amazing. What year was that? That would have been
2: 92. 92. So early, Jordan. 92,
1: 93. Yeah. 92, 93, maybe 90. Yeah. So, right. Yeah, 92 to 93
2: amazing right that is an amazing story
1: he gets 452
2: points they <laughs> went by 26 With 10 and beers and 36 it, holes in I, them. After, <laughs> hey,
1: listen. after the first half i'm like i just i didn't even I didn't, my money was gone it was just gone. <laughs> <laughs> so much was th- 36 holes of hard grinding
2: so that's jeremy roenick on 670 the score my uh, weekday show afternoons 2 to 6 central mcneil and parkins here on the score in chicago and i just love that story for so many reasons like Obviously the, the legend of Jordan and the competitiveness and the gambling and like all that stuff where, you know, the thousand thoughts go through your mind, right? Like if you're a hater, you'll be like, Oh, he bet on his team. Pete Rose, throw him out of the hall of fame. We looked it up. There was a game where he dropped 44 and they won by 24, uh, in that season against Cleveland. But Ronick was in Canada Uh, then there was a game where he scored 52, which you mentioned a couple of times, but that was against Charlotte, not Cleveland. So he easily could have gotten Cleveland and Charlotte messed up, but it was really cold that day. So it seems unlikely that they would have played 36 holes of golf, but who knows point is don't let facts get in the way of a good story. That's a great story and it shows the competitiveness and these athletes, and if you're saying Parkins, we're talking about the NFL here. Why is that relevant to anything? It's just a great story. Sometimes that's enough. Is there any doubt that Jordan and Ronick played golf with a bunch of beers for thousands of dollars on a game day, and Jordan went and balled out? I don't have any doubt about that. I assume you don't have any doubt about that. So whether he got 52 wrong or Cleveland wrong or the date, whatever the year, who knows what details he got right or wrong. But the crux of the story, Ronick taking thousands off Jordan, 36 holes, drinking, gambling, golf, day of the game, and then Jordan going out and balling out and backing up his word. I don't care about the details. Those are enough facts for me to say that's a damn good story. And, man, how times have changed. Could you imagine? Say 60% of that story is true. That happening to LeBron James in 2019, the whole thing would be on Instagram Live. We had the periscope of Ed Ogeron game in the LSU game yesterday saying, roll tide, FU. Like, we know everything in 2019, it seems like. No way you could play at a course where you're shouting out golf pros. Michael Jordan was playing golf with Jeremy Roenick on the north side of Chicago. There'd be news cameras there by the time they got to the 10th hole. Simpler time, different time, but who, where's your goat now? Nick, right? Oh, LeBron ageless wonder 20 years in the league. LeBron's amazing. I'm not a LeBron hater at all. I just like to mess with my man, Nick, but LeBron's like, what's the secret to aging? Well, he's like, a glass of red wine. Man, Jordan, play 36, smoke a cigar every nine holes, have 10 beers, and put 40 on you. That's a great story. And honestly, let's be honest. We've lost something here, right? Because of 24-7 sports TV, 24-7 sports radio, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We've lost a little something, right? We've gained access, but we've also become more guarded, more secluded. You can't listen to an interview with an A-list celebrity, be it on Howard Stern or Joe Rogan or Mark Maron or like wherever you listen to your interviews, like long form. You can't listen to an interview with an A-list celebrity and not have them talk about the trappings of celebrity and pulling back and being more private and private dinner parties and doing everything at their home and remote places and all that. Different time, man. It's tough to be a high-profile A-list athlete, A-list movie star, A-list musician in 2019. Your business is going to get out there in a big way. But I think the statute of limitations is up on that Roenick story that I'm glad he told it. Anyway, no reason other than it was just a good story. And sometimes that's more than enough. 855-212-4227. All right, it's post-game time for this week in the NFL Your top takeaways. I gave you my top 10 at the top of the 10 o'clock Eastern hour. I'll go over those again in a little bit. I can just rapid fire some of them here. It's crazy to me that now half of the teams in the NFL have had to play a backup quarterback already this year, despite the rules. What does that say about the safety in the game? Lamar Jackson being Superman, the Rams and Jared Goff regressing in a big way. The Steelers having a ton of organizational character and Minka Fitzpatrick being the new Troy Polamalu, the Falcons being downright baffling. Can't believe they haven't fired Dan Quinn. Never saw that win coming today. I've been more wrong about the Falcons consistently this year than any team in the league. Still believing in the Chiefs' offense despite the loss, having no clue who the AFC wildcard team is going to be, but thinking that five of the six teams in the NFC are locked up, Niners, Saints, Packers, Vikings, and Seahawks. I still would pick the Eagles to come out of the NFC East. Cowboys down 28-24 with uh, 90 seconds left here on Sunday night football. But 855 212 4227 those are my top takeaways from the day. We'll hear from yours now. John in Pennsylvania starts us off. John, you're on the Danny Parkin show. What's up, man?
0: Danny. Hey man. Uh first off, I want to get uh I want to get your review on that sandwich, man. I called you last week. I told you it was phenomenal. Did you get a chance?
2: Dude, I got a chance. Um it was great. Like <laughs> I, it, it, it I, I, I it, it was killing me, you know. We talked last week. It was killing me that I hadn't had a chance to uh, to have it yet. I consider myself a fast food aficionado. That's why I'm a skinny man with three chins. But I will say, uh, you saw that there was a stabbing around the uh, Chick fil A sandwich in Maryland. It was yeah, good. Dude. It's good, but it's it's not it's not wait forty minutes and then stab someone. Good, you know what I mean? Like, like I. I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have it again for another couple of weeks. I'm I'm gonna wait for it to die down. Like people need to calm. It, it was good. Don't get me wrong. And I think I even like did more than the Chick Fil A sandwich. But I got to have it a two or three times to see. But people are getting stabbed over a sandwich, John. A sandwich. I
0: know, man, it is insane out there. Hey man, is this the craziest weekend in football that that we've seen in quite a while with with college football yesterday and and how that shaked out. And not only that, but with the call that I wanted to, to make today, which was on my FALC ONS rise up. And my question now is, is this what Dan Quinn was trying to implement for the past nine weeks? And with all these rookies and, and young guys playing and, and new guys to the system, was it just that hard to catch on? And now we're seeing it because you just don't, you just don't hold Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara without a touchdown out of nowhere after giving up the most points in the league and, and not going with, or going without a sack for five weeks, and then getting six today, it's just it was crazy. I don't know if it's an anomaly game. It is Falcons Saints, so that's always the craziest two games of the year, regardless of record or anything. Um, and what do you see going forward, man? Because I don't know. I, I want to get the feel on Dan Quinn and see how he plays out the rest of the year. But if this is how his defense was supposed to look, I was impressed.
2: Yeah, you Thanks. should be impressed. And thank you for the call. Um, listen, I would have fired him over a month ago. So I would have, if I was the owner, I would have never had this win uh, there for you. I, I still think Dan Quinn is overwhelmingly likely going to get fired, but now that you've kept him this long, sure, keep him the rest of the year. You've got at Carolina, you got the Saints in Atlanta, you have at San Francisco still left on your schedule. Those are three legitimate measuring stick games, right? Two against Tampa. Don't take anything out of that. Jaguars at home. Don't take much out of that. Panthers at home. We'll see. But you got three legitimate measuring stick games left on your schedule. At Carolina, home against the Saints at Niners. Let's see what they can do. I don't really get how it happened. If you want to explain it off as youth, that's fine. But I don't know. That was a weird one. That was an unexpected one. But like I said earlier, Falcons' first 11 games this year are in a dome. I bet their over win total. I bet them to win the NFC. I had the Saints and Survivor today. I When I've bet on the Falcons, they've laid an egg. When I've bet against the Falcons, they've won. Like I just I can't figure them out. They are the single team I've been the most wrong about this year. I was right about the Packers and the Ravens. I was wrong about the Bears and the Falcons. You know, can't win them all. But the Falcons are the team I've been wrong about more than any team in the NFL this year. So is this the real Falcons team was John's question? I have no idea. But given that they didn't fire Dan Quinn already and then he got this win, I guess we'll get to see. I mean, if they win six games down the stretch with a great defense, then all right. I'm willing to admit I was wrong. I'm wrong all the time. Ask my bookie. But I don't think I'm wrong about the Falcons. I think they'd be better off with an overhaul of their coaching staff. But yeah, we can see. eight five five two one two four two two seven. your top takeaways from the week that was in the NFL. Coming up next, if you like the audio, From the Jeremy Roenick, Michael Jordan story on my show, there was NFL audio today that I can guarantee every single football fan will like and appreciate. You'll hear it coming up. It's the Danny Parkin Show, CBS Sports Radio.
0: Now back to the Danny Parkin Show.
2: Cowboys lose, and no disrespect to the Vikings, but that is definitely a loss for Dallas. Man. Jason Garrett, what would you say you do here? Kellen Moore, you were a quarterback as a play caller. What? Listen, I got Zeke Elliott on two of three fantasy teams. I'm all for giving him the ball, but you've been shredding them through the air all night. You're losing by four. Why are you running the football at the end of the game? You need to throw the ball. Michael Gallup, Randall Cobb, Amari Cooper. I have no idea what the Cowboys were just doing. That was odd. They got no timeouts left, used them on defense, had to force a punt, don't go for the punt block, then fair catch the return. What an odd end-of-game sequence for the Cowboys. That's how mediocre teams stay mediocre. They are a collective group of underachievers, though. My God. 28-24 28-24 Vikings with the win. Kirk Cousins, first game. First win in a game against the team with a winning record as quarterback of the Vikings. Congratulations, Mr. 84 million guaranteed. Finally got a win against the team with a winning record. 855 212 Talking NFL on this great NFL Sunday, but there is some audio that I believe. No matter who you are a fan of you are going to like and I will admit that this audio is easier th- to say from Taylor Lewin the former all pro tackle of the Tennessee Titans it is easier to deliver this message when you keep committing penalties in a win this is I believe six straight games for Taylor Lewin with a, a Luan with a uh with a penalty it's one of the best tackles in the game not a Hall of famer but A consistently great player, a leader on the Titans, and uh, as the reporters approached Taylor Luan's locker today after the Titans beat the Chiefs, he wanted to uh, get on the record of accountability.
1: Before we even start this whole thing, my penalties are a problem. I am 100% an issue with that. It's not intentional. I do not mean to do it. My intentions are good. I'm just trying to finish. And it's killing the team. And I know that. You guys need to know that. No one needs to call me out or anything because I, I, I got it, boys. I am completely screwing the team with the amount of penalties I've had in these last, what, six games? It's crazy. It's, it's, it's horrible. I cannot get penalties. I'm sorry. There's no need to ask about it because I know I'm an absolute liability when it comes to penalties.
2: Man, is the media going to eat that up tomorrow? Oh, boy. Sometimes we like to get out in front of some of the stories. I can tell you they are going to play that audio on all the talking head shows. And I get it. People like that stuff. I like that stuff. Who doesn't like that? Who doesn't like accountability when you mess up? It takes so much of the anger out of it, doesn't it? Now, again, obviously they won. But when you point a thumb and not a finger... It's just so much more likable. It's so much more relatable. And there's not many things that I can relate to like a six, five, 310 hundred and ten pound NFL all pro tackle. You know what I mean? He's he takes responsibility. You like to see that. That's a good that's a sign of a good leader. There's sometimes when you just hear some stuff like you you know. Oh, man, that's going to be a thing. I remember being in the locker room covering Kansas City Chiefs. Eric Winston was on the team. Eric Winston now retired from the league, but he still is the uh, president of the NFL Players Association, the players union. I was in the locker room when he had his famous, we are not gladiators. It was when uh, Matt Castle got hurt, and there were some cheers at Arrowhead Stadium, or at least he thought that there were some cheers. And he talked about how it was unacceptable by the fans, and he was embarrassed, and that they should be embarrassed, and he gave his whole big, we are not gladiators speech, and I'll never forget, because I knew Eric a little bit from covering that team, and he was really good with the media, and he came on the show, and... We just, we, we enjoyed talking to each other on air and off air. And I remember I was talking to someone else like across the way and he, uh, he was, had a big presence about him and clearly was a leader as evidenced by being elected president of the players association, even after he retired, but he called all the media over. He's like, before I begin, I'd like everybody to come over here. I got something to say. And I want all of the media to hear it. It's so like all the camera people are just like, oh man, Eric Winston, he's a good quote. What's he want to say? And he's just going around, going around, going around. I think I was talking to Derek Johnson across the locker room. He's like, Danny. I'm like, yeah, okay. Like he's like calling people out, like Adam Teicher. Like he's calling out like the beat writers for the Sam Mellinger from the Kansas City Star. Like he's calling people out. He's gathering everybody around. And he goes, what I saw today was sickening and disgusting. We are not gladiators. And I'm like, Quoting Maximus Aurelius. Like, hey. You're kind of gladiators. You're highly compensated, not playing to the death, at least normally on the field. Uh Gladiators. And I get why you don't want to be thought of as gladiators, and I get why it's bad form for fans to cheer an injury, and I understood all of his points except for, yeah, you are. You're the modern-day gladiators. 99.9% of people can't do what you do, wouldn't do what you do. And you do it for glory and compensation and competition and our entertainment. And the expense of that is we, as a collective, lose a little bit of our humanity in our craziness, in our rabidness, in our ability to move on from your injuries and how we cheer the the hits. And in exchange for that, you guys give your limbs and have a shorter life expectation. Like it's it's cruel to say, but I just remember I remember that being so like, man, this guy has such a commanding presence in the locker room. And even if people disagreed with him, everyone respected him for saying it. And that's kind of what it reminded me of with Taylor Luan today. His teammates are going to love him for it. His coaches are going to love him for it. The media members who cover him are going to love him for it. His fans are going to love him for it. That was just a great moment. That was a genuinely cool moment by a leader on a team coming off of a big win. And frankly, I found it to be remarkably likable.
0: Now back to the Danny Parkin Show.
2: Thank you very much for hanging out with the Danny Park show 855-212-4227. I'd imagine some Cowboys fans going to be pretty, pretty upset with Jason Garrett and Kellen Moore once uh, the Westwood one coverage gets off a bunch of these stations and we can talk to them at 855-212-4227. Nice win for the Vikings. Got to be honest. Thought Dallas would win. Toss up game. But uh, Vikings are going to the playoffs, probably as an NFC wildcard team. I think the Eagles are going to win the NFC East. Eagles schedule down the stretch is just more favorable. Eagles coming up after this game against uh, Patriots and Seahawks, which is really tough. Their last five are easy. And the Patriots and the Seahawks are at home. Then they're at Miami, home against the Giants, at Washington, home against the Cowboys, at the Giants. So if you figure they win both Giants games and they win in Miami and in Washington, that's four more wins. That gets them to nine. Then they just need to win one home game against a good team. Philly just needs to beat New England, Seattle, or Dallas at home. So if they take care of business with the four bad teams and beat one of the three good teams, all of them in Philly, obviously a tough place to play. Patriots will be the, they'll get them coming off of a bye. Philly gets the 10 wins. They win the NFC East. Now Dallas already won against Philly in Dallas three weeks ago. So as of now, they don't have the tiebreaker, but they lost on the road, not at home. So, I think the NFC playoffs, I'm pretty sure I know the, the six. If you disagree, 855-212-4227. We're at the halfway point of the season. Niners, Saints, Packers, Vikings, Seahawks, Eagles. Niners, Saints, Packers, Eagles as the division winners. Niners and Saints, the teams that get the buys. Packers and Eagles hosting. Wild card weekend, Vikings and Seahawks, your wild card teams. So we're looking at probably a Packers, Packers, Seahawks, Vikings, Eagles, wild card weekend in the NFC. That's pretty good. I'd take that. And in the AFC, man, everything from the two-seed on down is up for grabs. I think the division winners I'm pretty confident in. Texans, Chiefs, Ravens, Patriots. But Bills, Raiders, Titans, Steelers, Colts for two spots? I don't know. And the two-seed, I guess you have to give the edge to the Ravens given that the Chiefs picked up their fourth loss today and the Ravens beat the Patriots and are at least one game up on everybody. They're a game up on Houston, right? Ravens are 7-2 and two, and the Texans are 6-3. and three. God, that's a great game next week. I don't know if CBS protected that game but next week, you've got Texans-Ravens at 1 p.m. Eastern on CBS. And Sunday night football is Bears-Rams. And I know that's the second and third biggest media markets in the country, but it's not like the Rams commands the L.A. market, and it's not like the Bears are good. Bears are a mirage today. Bears are trash. So they took this, a playoff, not a playoff, but they took a... So two playoff teams from last year in the NFC, Bears and Rams. Teams who played last year in an interesting but ultimately, you know, not too meaningful 15 to 6 nationally televised game last year, Bears and Rams. But these are just such different teams. I mean, Blake Bortles got into the game today for the Rams and Sean McVay said it was part of the game plan. Could you imagine? Imagine giving Jared Goff $140 million and having Blake Bortles be part of your game plan. And imagine being NBC, and next week you could be looking at Mitch Trubisky against Blake Bortles on Sunday Night Football when Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson is going to be played earlier in the day. Now, I know these networks can protect some games. I have not seen if that was why that game did not get flexed. But... That's the game of the day next week, huh? Ravens and Texans, two of the top five MVP candidates as we sit here at the midway point. I'd give Russell Wilson my MVP vote if I had one right now. I'd give it to him. But Lamar Jackson would be second. And Lamar Jackson's closing in fast, man. The only reason that I'd give it more to Russell Wilson, I mean, his efficiency numbers are absurd, right? Still with the one interception. So, Russell Wilson is doing it all. The Seahawks defense, I do not think is good. I think the Niners are going to win tomorrow night. I think the Niners are going to cover the six points tomorrow night. And, Russell Wilson, you know, he's got Chark and Metcalf and obviously Tyler Lockett who's great. Chris Carson has been very good. He's got the skill position players on offense, but that defense is not good. The trade for Jadavion Clowney has not improved that defense enough and that's not even comparing them to Legion of Boom standards. That's just comparing them to league average standards. They're fine. They're not bottom five in the NFL pad, but they're not an advantage and that's made their home field advantage not seem as intimidating. But games in san francisco obviously but tomorrow night but i just think which is a great cap for the best football weekend so far by the way if you look at monday night football right is the the cap of the week we had a good thursday game we had an awesome saturday had an awesome sunday and then we get that game tomorrow night good sunday night game tonight. best football weekend of the year so far but the mvp race is wide open I'd be a little surprised after the loss today if Pat Mahomes could put together a crazy enough run to get it, but he's got an outside shot. Deshaun Watson has a chance. Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson are one and two, though. So you probably have your second and third MVP candidates in Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson facing off next week in a game that's going to have... I mean, it could have tiebreaker possibilities. It could have buy possibilities. Both of those teams still think that they can get the two seed, right? Texans with three losses, Ravens with two losses. So if the Texans beat the Ravens, they'll have the same record and they'll have the head-to-head tiebreaker. Whew. That's a monster, monster game in Baltimore next week. I hope that's Romo and Nance on the call. Ryan, I'm not sure if the broadcast assignments are out, but can you look that up if you don't mind? I'm telling you right now, I'm thrilled the Bears are on Sunday Night Football so I can give that game my full attention. That is an awesome regular season game. I don't even know the other games next week. I'll pull that up in a second, but that is going to be the marquee game of the day. How is that game at noon central and not at least at 325 for the entire country? Let me just do this right now, and then I'm going to get to your calls. 855-212-4227. So what's the marquee game next week that's put into Sean Jackson against, or excuse me, Deshaun Watson against Lamar Jackson as the uh, as a 1 p.m. Eastern game. So let's see. We got oh, Patriots Eagles. Okay. So Patriots Eagles is going to get Romo and Nancy I bet. So that means Dan Fouts, Iron Eagle, Maybe. For Lamar Jackson and uh, Deshaun Watson. All right. I'll take it. It's a solid day. 1 p.m. Eastern. Lock in on two MVP candidates. 425 Eastern. Patriots-Eagles. And then Sunday night. All you guys can probably go to bed at halftime of Bears Rams, but I gotta watch it for my gig, but that's okay. I love when my I love when the team I cover is standalone. I don't know if you got how you guys feel about your team being on the standalone, but I like it. I like when my team is not playing at one PM. Because then I can maximize the red zone, maximize the gambling, maximize the fantasy, and just take in the entire league. I like when my team is on an island, Thursday night, Monday night, Sunday night, and I'll settle for the four twenty five. But anything that allows me to have the full red zone at my disposal with multiple screens for that one PM slate, that's what I like. So next week, Marquee games. Man, that's a good that's a good run. Deshaun Watson against Lamar Jackson into Eagles Patriots. Eight five five two one two four two two seven. Dre's in Cleveland. Dre, are you really gonna make the argument that the Browns are still alive in the AFC? <laughs>
0: Oh, man. Hey, I'm from Cleveland, so you know I'm not a super big Browns fan, but you know I got to support the Browns. But I mean, if they re listen to Mal Garrett and take his advice, because they got the talent, I mean, these guys are playing football their whole life, you know what I'm saying? School, in the backyard, you know what I'm saying? Front yard, you know what I'm saying? So if they put all the talent together for real and take his advice and start playing around, Freddie Kitchens to look like Coach Belichick or like he can have his own edition of Madden on the cover or something.
2: Oh, stop. You <laughs> you beat the Bills by three points. You're gonna lose to the Steelers next week. You'll probably beat oh, the Dolphins, man. lose to the Steelers again, lose to the Ravens. You guys are done. You're a six win team. Hey, that sucks. But hey, like I said, I'm a fan, but I ain't no super beat Brown
0: fan, but why I am talking sports can I, let me give a shout out real quick too. Like the Seahawks, what's up, Seahawks? You know what I'm saying? i I like the Browns, but I like other teams too. You know what I'm saying? What's up, Buckeyes, F S U, Iowa? And- hey Dre, can I can I ask you a question? <laughs> can I ask All you right. a question
2: with that giggle? <laughs> what's you, up? You you been smoking today? Oh yeah, I do. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm a smoky
0: so. but a drinky but but a there healthy we go. smoky but drinky but, You're on the, yeah, the, you know maybe maybe
2: that. a Dion Waiter's edible or something. Is that what's happening right now? <laughs> you got the yeah, giggles, you know huh? What's up? Yeah, I know.
0: You
2: know what's up? <laughs> All right, Dre. Thank you for the call. Right, Thank you, man. I can spot that a mile away, huh? That Dion Waiter story. Who, boy? That's not good. That's not good. Suspended ten games. Could have cost him nearly a million in salary for having what was described as a panic attack on the team flight across the country because he took an edible and had a bad reaction to it. The first report was that he had a seizure. You, know, you cannot have a seizure from a weed edible. That is ridiculous. Panic attack. Yeah, that's possible. My man, Dion Waiters. Mm, mm, mm. And then they suspend him for 10 games. The report says he got it from a teammate, but waiters won't tell him who he got it from because, you know, snitches and stitches and all that. So he misses out on 800 k a salary, and then a potential shot at a $1.2 million bonus if he had played in 70-plus games this year because he's already been suspended. So it's his second suspension of the year. Two rookies have passed him by in the rotation, and now for the rest of time, he's got to be known as the guy who can't handle his weed in the NBA. Do you know how embarrassing it is? have a panic attack on a team flight from weed in the NBA oh my god he's never gonna live that one down that's not as embarrassing as getting passed over by rookies my god and by the way if I was gonna do a draft before that story came if you're gonna just say panic attack THC edibles team flight who was it and it wasn't J.R. Smith I'd be like oh Dion Waiters of course We'll go over my top takeaways from the NFL day and we'll put Jason Garrett on a T. 855 212 4227. Let's go. It's your time. It's The Danny Parkins Show, CBS Sports Radio.
1: How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix,